Well, good morning, my friends. Great to be with you. Another joy-filled day to look to God's word, isn't it? My friends, let us just take a moment to pray. Let us bow our heads. Lord, we come before you this day. And we thank you for all of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. I pray right now that each of us would feel that inexpressible joy, the fruit of the gospel that we have in Christ, the treasure that we have in jars of clay. And Lord, I pray that this heavenly joy is, is here with us this day, that we can offer a prayer of gratitude to all of the things that you've done for us in our lives, especially through the gospel, even moments this week, Lord. Let us reflect on those and give you thanks. Lord, as we look to your word this day, please guide us by your Holy Spirit that you have a fresh word for us, um, that you lead us in truth and give us insight and understanding. We commit ourselves and we commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, please get your Bible back out to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be looking through verse 16 to 33 this morning. So let's start with 2 Corinthians 11, verse 16 to 18. Paul says this, continuing from last week. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. But I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. So in the text before us, as we move through the rest of chapter 11, we see St. Paul boast. If the Corinthian church is listening to the boasts of the so-called super-apostles, right, the false apostles, who are preaching another gospel, a different gospel, as we heard last week, then Paul, too, will boast. But as we move through our passage, we'll see that Paul does not boast with the same kind of boasting that one would expect. Instead, Paul, as a true apostle of Jesus Christ, and as a true Christian man, Paul boasts in his hardships and in his weakness. So Paul, in doing so, Paul exposes the foolishness of the Corinthian church as they are being misguided by the super apostles, right? These are, again, men who were flaunting outward impressiveness or eloquent speech, appearing wise, in a sense. But we know, friends, that their wisdom is not the wisdom of God. Their wisdom is not truly wise. It is worldly. Instead, Paul, as a true Christian, preaches Christ crucified and lives a life that is patterned by the cross. So church, let us be quick to realize if someone is preaching Christ crucified, if someone is preaching the true gospel, like Dan spoke about last week, or if someone is preaching the wisdom of the world, which is true folly. So we ask ourselves these questions. Where do we look for wisdom? Academics, secularism, university degrees, or ultimately, do we look for wisdom in the apostolic authoritative message as found in the word of God? 
the sacred scriptures. That's our source of wisdom. And so Paul continues on here, and he thinks that the accusations against him are quite foolish, right? The accusations from these false apostles who are leading the church astray. But if some in Corinth are going to insist that Paul himself is a fool, well, then so be it. He will boast like one. But again, he will not boast in the way that true fools actually boast. So at the same time, Paul goes on to expose the folly of his opponents while demonstrating his own credibility while playing by their rules, right? He can play their little boasting game, but Paul again will go on not to boast in the way that the super apostles boasted. No, Paul will go on to boast in his weakness. So for us today, church, the world's wisdom tells us that we must be strong in and of ourselves. The world preaches this sort of ego strength, right? This sort of prideful strength, this self-strength. But the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of the world now, is it? Instead, the Christian, the true Christian, recognizes and boasts in their weakness, right? Their weakness is on display. Because when we boast in our weakness, the strength of Jesus Christ is on display as well. So we, no, we do not boast that we are strong in ourselves. Instead, we recognize where we are weak. And when we recognize that, then the heavenly strength is at work within us. And we point people to the only true source of strength. His name's Jesus. So we don't preach strength of self. We preach the strength of Christ. Let Christ be glorified in us. Jars of clay. This treasure that we have. Look at verse 17. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. So Paul again shows that this whole present strategy, this whole boasting competition is uncomfortable for him in a sense. And it's been put in effect specifically as an attempt to break through to the Corinthians, right? To expose his opponents. But again, this whole approach of this temporarily paraded confidence is employed to play by the rules of the game, right? The game that the super apostles are playing, this boasting. But remember, and Paul knows this well as we will see, the true gospel bears fruit in those who empty themselves of a false confidence of self. And we'll see this in the kind of boasting that Paul ends up employing. The gospel does no such thing for those who, like Paul's opponents, puff themselves up before others, right? Or are prideful, or boast in their own ego strength, their own self-strength, the strength of self. Look at verse 18. Paul says, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. So in verse 18, we see the reality of what Paul calls boasting according to the flesh. And the super apostles have continually been boasting of their own strength and accusing Paul of weakness. Weakness, the very thing that Paul goes to boast in. So in verse 18, Paul seems to temporarily 
adopt their strategy, right? He can play by their, their game, though he's not really adopting it since he goes in the complete opposite direction of his opponents, as we see, boasting in his weakness as opposed to his own strength. So Paul can play their game of boasting, and yet Paul's theology of the cross still comes through, right? As Paul presses into pain and weakness, his weakness on display, that is where the strength of Christ lies. And so what do we do, church? Do we puff ourselves up, boasting in our own ego, in our own ego strength, or being prideful like the super apostles? Or do we recognize our own weakness and boast in the cross? Boasting in what Christ has done. Let's look to verse 19 to 21. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, and speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. So in verses 19 to 20, we see clearly that the super apostles did not have good intentions. Right? That's quite clear. And the Corinthian church had mistakenly thought that the super apostles were of good character and of good motives. But the ministry of these false apostles, however outwardly impressive, is ultimately self-serving, right? You see that there in verse 20. They have selfish intentions, and they boast in their own strength, self-strength. So the super apostles are using the Corinthians instead of serving them, and this is a dangerous warning for us churches in the West as well. Remember, friends, the true church preaches Christ crucified, not secular, worldly wisdom, however eloquent it may sound like the super apostles. And the true shepherds serve their flock, following Christ as a suffering servant. This is not like the ministry of the super apostles, which is no ministry at all. So let us apply this to our lives then, for ourselves. Let us be quick to repent, turning to the Lord in good faith, if we ever see any of these selfish motives come into our lives as Christians. Because ultimately, friends, our lives are not about self. Our lives are about Christ. That we would preach Christ crucified, preach the true gospel, not another gospel like the super apostles, that we would love God above all and also love our neighbors. So let us not be like the false apostles. Let us follow the true Jesus as true disciples. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, we see another statement of irony or sarcasm that we've seen so far in our text, right? Paul's been speaking in this sort of tone and Paul says that he was too weak to act like his opponents. So if the super apostles, if these false apostles, if they want to boast of their own accomplishments, well, Paul would like to do the same. Except not in the typical way of human boasting does Paul boast. Instead, he speaks 
like a fool, according to the world, by boasting in his weakness. Because, friends, remember, the message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul lives his life patterned by the cross. His life looks like a cross, and he preaches the gospel, the true gospel. Let's look to verse 22 to 23. Paul starts to lay lay into them here. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. So this part of the letter from verse 22 onward is known as the fool's speech. And Paul's overarching claim here is that he is a true servant of Christ, right? As Dan said last week, he follows the true Jesus, and he preaches the true gospel. He's a true servant of Christ. And so Paul starts to describe his ministry here in terms that could not possibly be equaled by the false apostles. So he lays out his credibility here. And again, as we see, he does not boast in his own speaking skills or his own strength or other abilities, but he actually boasts in how much he has suffered for the sake of Christ. This is what he boasts in. And look in verse 23. He says, I'm talking like a madman. Right? Even in a sense, he's hesitant to speak on his own behalf like this. Even to enter this whole boasting competition with the false apostles. He's hesitant in some sense. And yet he, is, he employs the rules of the game. And he's compelled again to remind the Corinthian church that this whole boasting project is ridiculous. Right? That Paul even has to lay out all of these attributes of his life against the false apostles is foolish in itself. And yet he adopts the rules of the game and he he moves on to boast in the things, not that show his strength, but his weakness. Again, this is quite opposite of the boast of the false apostles. In fact, this kind of boasting would hardly look like boasting at all in the worldly sense, to boast in weakness, right? That would look like foolishness. But as a true servant of Christ, Paul points not to displays of power, but rather to suffering and humiliation, emphasizing again Christ crucified, as he did back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to 4. So he moves on here. Let's look to verse 24 to 28. Verse 24 says, Five times I received... At the hands of the Jews, the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. 
So in verse, verses 24 to 28, we see clearly a picture of Paul's hardships and sufferings. He really believed this Jesus because he went through all of these sufferings and he endured them gladly for the sake of Christ. Let the true Christian do likewise. Paul here in verse 24 to 28, flogged, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, adrift, in danger in multiple ways, hardship, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, cold and exposure. It's hard to imagine a more hazardous existence than than the Apostle Paul had. My friends, he not only preached Christ crucified, he lived it. He picked up his cross and followed our Lord on the road to Calvary. Let us do the same when we are called. He preached the true Jesus, and thus he followed the true Jesus in his life. He was obedient to God, and he put his life in God's hands. Being radically saved by Christ, the whole trajectory of his life turning, and then going through all of this, this is no fairy tale. He believed the true Jesus. He believed that there was a heaven to be gained through faith in Christ. And there was a gospel that would rescue people from eternal damnation. He believed this, and thus he suffered and died for it. He picked up his cross. Let the Christian do the same. Of course, we see here in verse 24 to 28, Paul's hardships have not been easy. If hardships demonstrate one's commitment to a cause, well, the Apostle Paul is without a competitor. The super-apostles simply do not match up. So the validity of Paul's ministry is on display here, right? And my friends, the validity of our Christian life is on display in the way that we endure suffering, right? Church, the way that we endure these light momentary afflictions, when we suffer well, when through hardship we never forget the eternal weight of glory, that we would bear our cross and follow the Savior by faith through all of these hardships and weaknesses. This is fruit of the true gospel. The super apostles do not have true fruit because they are not connected to the true vine. They do not have the true Jesus. They do not pick up their cross. They don't have a valid ministry because they don't have a valid gospel. They do not follow Christ as suffering servants going through hardships. But Paul, he does follow the true Jesus. And the fruit of the gospel is at work in his life as he goes through God-ordained suffering and hardship. True Christians, my friends, as we learn from the Apostle Paul, true Christians will live a life that's patterned by the cross, right? A life that looks like the cross, following Jesus Christ, the Savior, who was crucified, endured suffering, and rose from the grave. So Paul preaches and lives this gospel. Let us follow Paul as he follows Christ. Enduring hardship, and yet never losing our inexpressible eternal joy.
because we know to whom we belong, like Paul. Apart from the other hardships, look at verse 28, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul speaks of his anxiety for all the churches, right? His concern. Again, we see his care for his flock on display as he continually points the flock to Jesus as a true pastor and leads them away from sin, as we've seen these themes throughout 2 Corinthians. So in verses 24 to 28, again, Paul lumps together all kinds of hardships and he endures them, right? Paul is all in. He has died and his life is hidden with Christ in God, right? He no longer seeks self-preservation. He's not guided by ego or self or pride, and he doesn't boast in ego or self-strength or pride. He yields all that he has to Christ. He does not live from an egoic place because Paul has truly experienced new life. And the fruit of the gospel is at work in his life in the way that he endures suffering, in the way that his weakness is on display New life is at work in him. The true Christian also. Paul's life looked like a cross, and that showed us to whom he belonged to. The Christian as well. When we are called, and our life looks like a cross, because our life is patterned after the life of the Savior of the world. We know to whom we belong. So we too will endure suffering, Our weakness will be on display. And it's in our very weakness that the light of Christ is shining forth, right? Shining through in the way that we endure hardship. The validity of our Christian life is on display, just like the Apostle Paul. Treasure housed in jars of clay. Heavenly strength at work in weak human vessels. Paul boasts in his weakness And the glory of Jesus Christ is on display. Let's look to verse 29 and 30. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Right? Paul boasts in weakness. His weakness is on display. He comes to a place of humility where he allows his weakness to be on display. And then he boasts in his weakness, playing the game of the super apostles. So Paul asks in verse 29, Who of you feels weak, and I do not know what you're feeling? Who of you stumbles and sins, and I'm not indignant? So where the super apostles were aloof, Paul and true pastors are one with their flocks, right? So we see Paul's solidarity and identification with the Corinthians. He knows them, and he's one with them. And if Paul is forced to boast, he will boast of the things that show his weakness. Think of it, friends. Everything that is low and despised and foolish, according to the world's standards... 
All that one wishes to avoid and escape, all our human weakness and frailty, this is where Paul's claim to gospel ministry is founded. The false apostles accuse Paul of weakness, and Paul boasts in his weakness. Again, this, might, this may not make much sense to the world. Maybe for those who seek signs, like the Jews back in 1 Corinthians, or those who seek philosophical wisdom, like the Greeks in 1 Corinthians. But the wisdom of God, as we see, is not the wisdom of man. So if we are forced to boast, then we too will boast of the things that show our weakness. Think of it, friends. As the church, we lift up a cross. We lift up a symbol that puts suffering, death, and weakness on display for all to see. This is foolishness to the world, lifting up a cross, preaching the true gospel. But this is not just any cross. This is the cross of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So we preach Christ crucified because the one who was crucified on this cross, who suffered and died paying the penalty for our sin, this Jesus lives, the true Jesus. Our Messiah lives. And so we put weakness on display. Because there lies the strength of the resurrected Christ. So when we boast in weakness, the strength of Christ is shining in our lives. The way that a Christian endures suffering like Paul points others to the Savior. Look at all of the ways that Paul had suffered, the hardships, the affliction. Paul, like us, being weak in ourselves, we would not be able to endure it all on our own. But it is Christ who sustains Paul, and it is Christ who sustains us, even through all of the hardship, even through our weakness. In fact, Christ is glorified in our weakness. That we would follow Christ on the road to Calvary, that we too would pick up our cross enduring a hardship and weakness, and through faith in him, his heavenly strength sustains us, even in our weakness. This is our faith. Death, yet life. The suffering of the cross leads to the empty tomb, our Savior raised from the grave. And for all of us who are united to Christ by faith, we too, raised from the grave, will live for eternity with our strong Savior. Our life does not end in weakness because we have confidence in the resurrected Jesus. Eternity awaits us, a gift. The forgiveness of all our sins and the free gift of righteousness and eternal life through faith in him. The strength of the eternal one at work even now in our weakness, friends. And so we boast in our weakness. We put to death any thoughts of ego strength or prideful strength. We boast in our weakness as we point others to the source of heavenly strength. His name is Jesus. So we too, like Paul, preach Christ crucified. 
and we preach Christ risen from the grave. So let us live our Christian lives patterned by the suffering of the cross and the inexpressible joy of the resurrection, our weakness pointing to the source of heavenly strength. Let's look to verse 31 to 33. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. In all of Paul's boasting, Paul boasts in his weakness, things that show his weakness, and he boasts in what the Lord has done. Boasting in the Lord who sustained him through all of his hardships, afflictions, and weaknesses. Weakness on display and the glory of the Lord on display all the more. Paul lives his life before the face of God. God knows that he is not lying. He preaches the true gospel, the true Jesus, and lives a life that is bearing fruit. So God triumphs amidst human weakness, and this embodies the principle of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. And in verse 32 to 33, we see this imagery of Paul fleeing in a basket as another striking example of Paul's weakness as a result of being called to suffer for Christ's name. He lives his life before the face of God. He is obedient to God, and it is the Lord who sustains him. And so, my friends, like Paul's, any hardships that we experience along our journey, right? Any hardships that we experience along this journey, along the narrow path that leads to life, these hardships and afflictions and weaknesses, though painful at times, all of these things are part of our calling as we journey towards heaven, as Christ brings us there. So everything that we experience, remember, is God-ordained. God is with us in our weakness, in our suffering, in, our, in the hardships and afflictions. And his strength is on display through it all. We are being guided by him and sustained by him. So let's trust him. Let us trust our strong Savior. And so, when we boast in the things that show our weakness, we lift up Jesus Christ. We lift up the cross and we prevent any form of pride from creeping in. We glory in Christ, not self. Because our lives are not about us. They're about Christ and others. That we'd be serving and following Jesus as suffering servants for others and for the Lord first. That we would take up our cross, follow the Savior by faith into eternity. So if we must boast, let us boast in our weakness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of the true gospel, 
that we get to know the true Jesus, that you have saved us, Lord, and given us the gift of faith to believe. We thank you for showing us our weakness and that in our weakness, we rely on you all the more as we will see as we continue through 2 Corinthians. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Use us as vessels, Lord, that we, like Paul, can boast in our weakness and point people to Jesus. We commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.